0: Hello, and welcome to Freelancing for Journalists. I'm Lily Cantor and I'm Emma Wilkinson. This series of the podcast is a little bit different as we're going to be speaking to the winners of our Freelance Journalism Awards.
1: Yes, yeah,
0: so we're really looking
1: forward to speaking to them in more detail about their freelance careers and also their award-winning
0: journalism. Yes, yeah, so and we're going to introduce our guests for this week in a minute, but first we're going to do our freelance highlight of the week. So Emma, what is yours this week? Okay, yeah, so I'd sent a few pitches to a publication
1: that I work for fairly regularly, but they sort of hadn't landed. I kept saying, no, you know, not one for this week, but thanks to, you know, consider us again. Um, but then they came back to me and said, can you turn around this news feature um, based on kind of an announce- a breaking announcement from a uh, an organisation? And they wanted me to turn that round quite quickly so it just kind of reminded me that all that pitching that i'd been doing hadn't been wasted because i think my name was fresh in their minds i was at the top mm. of their list they were thinking oh we've said no to emma a few times you know if we if we have something for her we'll we'll send it her way so yeah i kind of wrote it in two days turned it around and the invoice is in so yeah done and dusted what's what's yours lily
0: yeah i i've had a similar thing actually where i pitched something to an editor who sometimes can be a little bit delayed in in getting back to me um and he liked both the ideas and he also was like oh and can you do this other one as well that I'm I was meant to be doing but um I'm not gonna get around to it (laughs) so he's like here have another one as well and it's actually interviewing someone in the running world um that I'd be you know I'm really keen to talk to so um it's something I'm quite excited about doing as well so it was it was nice to get that sort of triple whammy
1: yeah that's good isn't it it's always nice when things come your in this direction rather than you having to do the kind of pitching definitely constantly Okay, so it's time to introduce our guest for this episode. Today we have with us Lucy Osborne, who won our Best Investigation category. Sponsored by Journalism.co.uk, this award was for broadcast, print or online journalists. Uh, Lucy won for her investigation into sexual abuse in the fashion industry, which was reported in The Guardian and also made into a three-part documentary for Sky. Our judges said this stood out for its powerful, emotive and impactful reporting, which involved building up trust with victims over a long period of time. Lucy is a freelance investigative journalist for TV and newspapers, having also worked for Channel 4, ITN and others.
0: Hi, Lucy. Congratulations on your win. Thank you very much. It's great to be here. Thanks for having me. We've got loads of questions about how this investigation came together but first we want to find out a little bit more about you. Perhaps um, you could start by telling us about how you became a freelance journalist and the kind of work that you do more generally.
2: Yeah sure uh, so I um I, so my, my career started really at the Daily Mail. I was a Daily Mail trainee and I was there for six years. So I did uh, a mixture of breaking news and investigations when I was there. And then um, I moved to, in about, I think, 2017, I moved to BBC Panorama where I was on uh, essentially a sort of a series of short term contracts. I think I was there for a year and a half, two years um and one of my contracts came to an end I'd, I'd actually it's actually kind of ties into the story of how I came to start the investigation that I won the award for actually um so I um I sort of had this idea that I knew wouldn't wouldn't be a panorama but it was it was something that I was keen to pursue so I decided to um to try try out freelancing and um to be honest I, d- I didn't necessarily expect that it was going to be where that I would be freelance for the next well as long as you know obviously since in, until now um but um but yeah it it it's so far worked out I'm um I yeah kind of took uh a bit of a leap of faith um to, to try and get this this uh story out there that I was really keen on so I sort of continued working on that and um started pitching it from there um so yeah i think it was about 2018 that i went freelance officially
1: yeah that's that's really interesting i mean it's probably a good place to move on to this investigation because you've kind of mentioned um you've mentioned that already so tell us kind of where that came from how you sort of pieced it together
2: so um the the early so the, i did a film for panorama about um the sexual misconduct allegations against trump uh, so it was whilst he was president and um off the back of that I started noticing that a lot of his his vic- alleged victims were um models uh so and his and Trump had various sort of connections to the modeling industry um and through that I was as well as learning about these specific sort of allegations and um of rumors around Trump I also just kept hearing from models who um had um experiences with other men uh who they met through the fashion industry and these were a lot of sort of celebrities um and also people actually working in the industry um so um I kind of I initially sort of looked into making that into a film um but then eventually um actually had interest from the Guardian um and started and to cut a long story short, started working with The Guardian on some of the leads that I developed. Um, and it was quite, and because I'd sort of come um, through um, speaking to a document, to documentary makers, um, I sort of, right from the beginning, we sort of knew that what we were looking at could... Also, make quite an interesting documentary. So, right from the beginning, it was kind of okay. We're this, we're going to focus on print because this is for the Guardian, um, but there's always going to be a sort of element where um, this could potentially become a documentary or a film as well. And because because I'd just sort of come from a film background, or for the last couple of years I'd been I sort of moved from newspapers to TV. I was quite keen to sort of keep that uh, that as a possibility. Um, so yes, yeah, so the first article. Um, was about Trump and Trump's connection to the modeling industry, and sort of, and was starting to kind of reveal some of these allegations within the modeling industry. That was, in, I think, it came out in twenty twenty, um, during which was sort of just the beginning of the pandemic. Um, and and then I was sort of lucky in a way, in that the having having the pandemic sort of meant that I had more time than I would have otherwise to. Um, Look, just carry on looking into this. And I actually uncovered kept uncovering stuff. And my next big investigation was into uh, a modeling agent called gel Marie, um which came out the following year. And it was that when that was published, I had a lot of interest from different production companies who wanted to. Essentially, turned the investigation into a film, and then it was off the back of that that I sort of worked, sort of on behalf of the Guardian to get that commissioned, and we got that commissioned into a three-part series with Sky. Um, so um, that was sort of using my last sort of three or four years of um work on the on that um, subject and turning that into a film. So I actually produced, as well as the genuine investigation, I actually I produced the the, the series as well. Um, so I spent a year working on that with um Wonderhood Studios, who were the uh, production company on it. Um and uh, yes, that came out series came out last summer. Um, and to coincide with that, I did another Guardian investigation, so print investigation that was sort of a similar subject, um, but some some uh, some different characters that came out um sort of to coincide with the series. Um so um yeah, I think in in there's probably, I probably fast forwarded over a few things, but yeah, I think that kind of sums up how it, how it sort of came together.
0: So how does that work then when you're kind of using the same story, but one for the Guardian and one for Sky, do you have to um, sort of separate out different sources for the different organisations and do they need to know what you're doing for each other?
2: Well, I'd sort of, um, when, when we did the, so I, I'd i published a few things in the Guardian um and it was it was kind of off the back of what was published that we then made the made the series so a lot of what was in the series was it already the, the sort of um, news lines and the kind of substance of what we were putting in the film had already been published but obviously with the with the film it just allowed us to kind of delve a bit deeper into the women's personal stories and kind of create more of a Kind of narrative out of it, and um, it just allowed us to sort of at it from a different, you know, different perspective. And for example, you know, you kind of learnt about these women. Uh, the, the, so the film followed some of the women that were in my original reporting, and obviously the original reporting was sort of more newsy. It was sort of focused on, you know, it was, it was very much an investigation that focused on sort of piecing together the investigation, pie- piecing together what we know. Whereas the film followed particularly sort of it was basically four women's stories and it was following them from their their, their journeys sort of becoming a model and then their journeys to, to then come forward in a, in an investigation and then what what that's been like for them and then what they're doing now to try and sort of bring about change in the modeling industry um and three of i not know all of them in in some way with pursuing some kind of legal action against the men that they'd come forward against so it kind of follows them in that journey of doing that so it wasn't necessarily like there was anything there were sort of new things in in the film um but because it was because the substance of the investigation had already come out it wasn't like there was there was no sort of competing over what was going to go where. And also with the with the series, it was it was very much that you know, there was so much that we could have put in, um, but but we had to obviously be selective about what we included. And we chose to really sort of focus on these women's stories rather than spend too much time sort of getting bogged down in details. We just thought it was better to sort of focus on the kind of more human element of it. Um, and um, but that meant that there was actually quite a lot left over, and that's sort of where my um, the print investigation part of this that I won the award for um, was um, kind of, yeah, some of the things that we just couldn't get into the series. So it was sort of a no brainer really to sort of use, to, to to use that and publish it. And it actually helped with the film, with the series, because they both came out around the same time. So sort of promoted each other kind of thing.
1: Absolutely. And you you talked there about kind of the women's stories, been central to all this. How do you and how did you go about building up the trust of those that you spoke to? And um yeah, was that difficult? Were they keen to talk to you? Was there kind of a process of you, you know, explaining where you were coming from and and what you wanted um what you were hoping to achieve with it?
2: Yeah, I mean it was definitely it's you know it's been four years now that I've been reporting on this subject or similar subjects um and so I've done also done reporting and I made a film when I was at Panorama on Weinstein and again a lot of his his victims were models and I think that the more I've reported on it the more trust that I have and people you know that I think people see that I've reported on these things and it's much easier now to have those conversations but I think at the beginning it really was um it was much harder to persuade women to talk about this I think as well because and as the the, the series shows, actually, there have been these moments over the past thirty years that people have tried to come forward with allegations about the models and haven't been heard, um, you know, quite serious allegations. and they've and these men have still managed to continue in their jobs and haven't been held to account. So I think then getting the trust of those women now was or, or when I started this was really hard because, they were sort of like well, what what, you know why should we trust you we, we've you know we've tried to speak about this and, and we haven't had any luck and we've you know um not been taken seriously so I think it, it really did with, with my first with the Gerald Marie piece in 2021 that that took you know that that took really a couple of years to get to that point of there were, you know I, kn- I knew quite a few of those women for quite some time um before we published it and they were very much on the fence about whether they wanted to do it some of them were like absolutely not um and it but it was a case of of uh, just just staying in contact with them really and having you know just having lots of conversations over over a really long time um and I think it was it was eventually a lot of these women had no idea that there were other women in exactly the same situation who had experienced virtually the same thing and I think hearing. That there were others, um kind of gave them a I think more confidence to come forward when they heard that there were there was potentially a group. And so it was when when they sort of realized, okay, well, I'm, this is not just going to be me. This is actually but you know, there's actually going to be other people as well that are are speaking out about it. I think that that gave them that sort of support. But I think you know, it was what was what was important it was being important the whole way through is is that you know, making it clear that people can. Which sometimes sometimes quite hard to convey to to victims is is you know that they, they they are happy they they can speak to me and it's not it's not going to be published and there's a lot in the trust with journalists sometimes especially given the history of these of these stories trying to come out but not quite um, being able to I think um, it's convinced it's, it's that kind of slow process of of letting people know that you know they they can talk to me and I'm not going to publish what they've told me without their their permission um so yeah so it's it's a lot easier now when I you know when the stories cross over with and there's still some reporting that I'm doing in this area and um it's a lot easier now because they can sort of see what's what's come out already yeah, yeah. and I wonder if being freelance as well
0: does that add a different dynamic or challenge particularly in terms of kind of getting people to to speak to you if you're not you know fully attached to a news organization
2: um I don't know if it was with this because I think because I was doing it I was doing for most of the time anyway I was doing it for the Guardian so it was I think helpful to have the name of the Guardian actually in this in this instance but I think recently actually there's a few stories that I've been that may or may not come off but I've been speaking to people about and it's quite it is really helpful to say look I don't I don't work for any organization and I have you know limit I, I don't have it's up to you really you know if 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 you want this to be do if you want me to sort of pitch this to you know where wherever really and it's, it's I think that that definitely helps to show that you know your priority is the story not necessarily where it's published um so it's definitely I think been an advantage recently in my recent stories yeah yeah I
1: mean I think the other thing that I wanted to ask you about working on these kind of stories as a, from a freelance perspective is obviously the, you know, these are really sensitive, but there's potentially big legal issues involved as well. How important is it, you know, we might have freelancers listen to this. You've got an idea for a story. They've got a contact they've been working with, um, but perhaps feel they need the backing of, of an organization like The Guardian to be able to do that well and do that safely. So kind of as a, as a freelancer what advice would you would you have there
2: yeah I think it's really difficult and it, it can be really anxiety inducing when you're sort of you know I would certainly with me anyway I, I get sort of really passionate about these stories especially when you're kind of hearing so much and you know that you're not going to be able to necessarily publish everything that you're hearing but I, yeah it, it is it I don't I, there's no sort of clear answer but I suppose I was lucky I, with the Gerald Marie story, I was working on that as a freelancer over about a year um, during the pandemic. And I wouldn't have had that time, otherwise I'd have probably been doing other projects. So um, I was able to just gather loads of information, just, just so much more than, you know, I had that time. And then I pitched it to The Guardian and obviously at a point where it probably wasn't like, you know, I hadn't written anything or, you know, I'd just gathered in for the information and sort of went to them saying, this is what I've got. Um and at that point they obviously commissioned it. And um so at that point I did have the support of a of a big news organization. And I I, you know, I certainly wouldn't have gone any further than that if I hadn't have got the backing of a a newspaper. So it certainly gets to that point. And I think to be honest, that you know, there's been in since then when I've had a story, I've I've gone to a newspaper earlier than that, just because I've just financially I can't, I can't, you know, I can't just investigate something indefinitely, hoping that it will be commissioned because even if you think it's a really good story there's no guarantee that a newspaper will think that so um I definitely go I try and go a bit a bit a bit sooner um when I've um than than I do now um to try and get that backing as as soon as I can but it's difficult I think as I'm assuming I don't know how you, how you both feel but it's really hard to know sometimes when to go to a newspaper because you obviously want it to be as appealing and as as developed as it possibly can be but at the same time you, you can't just you can't just spend loads of time doing something without knowing that you're definitely going to get paid for it
0: yeah I think it's really interesting and it's something we were talking to Rachel Healy about um when she did the the investigation on Britain's Got Talent mm-hmm. and about how you um yeah how you balance the kind of time and money that you're putting in and and so how did you work that out would do you kind of go once you've done sort of like you say some initial research and then do you negotiate a kind of a day rate or you know estimate how much time it's going to take how does all that side of it work
2: um so with the when I first started working with the Guardian I was sort of I went and worked the, um in the the US office for two months oh, yeah about two months and then I came back and I worked um in London for a bit and I was sort of paid a set fee I think for that um and then during the pandemic, I, you know, I, to me, I didn't have other work on, so I just thought, okay, well, I, I feel like this is an important story and I feel like I'm, I can put this, this, this effort into it. So I did. And then I got paid for the story. Um, But, you know, I had to negotiate a rate for that. Um, And, you know, I have to say, it's, it's probably one of the questions you'll ask me, but, you know, the, that is probably the hardest thing I find as a freelancer is the, is the negotiating, you know, having to negotiate fees and, knowing your worth and and it's it's yeah it's tricky and there's there's no sort of set set fee for something like this either it's it's quite you have you know it's quite difficult to um and difficult to explain that i think as well like so much of newspapers that's so and yeah so much of newspapers magazines are so it's it's you know staff based so they you, i think it's diff, it's easy for editors to sometimes lose sight of how much work goes into this you know to even just to get it to that initial stage um so um yeah I it, it differs each time um but uh obviously I'm always I always try with if it's an investigation that's, I know needs lots more work it's always I always try and negotiate a day rate because you know you you just can't you can't say how much how long it's going to take to do it um so I'd much rather do it as a you know let's see how where we, how we get on in after let's say two weeks or something and then and then we you know decide together on how if we take it take it any further so that's what i that's what i i try to do and that's generally what i'm doing at the moment
1: yeah i use i usually go for or try and negotiate day rates when i'm doing investigations um you know it might be kind of we'll start with five days and see (laughs) see on that kind of where you're at kind of thing because at the end of it if you produce 500 words a thousand words that word rate is going to be nowhere near the hours that you put into it when you're kind of doing those kind of deep deep dives yeah. um I mean how one thing that I'm quite interested in is how you found navigating both print and broadcast you know I only really do print work I think it's probably quite usual for freelancers to do one or the other um have you found kind of navigating both those uh types of journalism
2: yeah and they're both very different I think um it's been really good for me because I I, I mean, for instance, with with the scouting for girls uh, series, that that was almost I think a year of continuous employment. So you know, a year of my freelancing life has been basically doing that. Um, so it, for for me, it's been really good because it, I think when things are slow in the newspaper world, or maybe you know the the consistency of pay and things is is harder. I've I've personally find it harder with newspapers. The I've had a i've been able to have the broadcast element as a sort of um to to fall back on in a way and that's not to say that broadcast is you know particularly well paid or anything but it's um the you know i think you generally have longer contracts and um for example i've just done a channel five uh, feature doc on uh on the police and um i was i sort of started that i think in jan it was about six months that i worked on it and i did it part-time um so it just it was just um it was a really good project to work on but also it was just it was really good um for me because it just meant that i knew i think it was like works out over overall about one or two days per week um and it just meant that i knew i had that every week so when i had a you know a quiet week. I I knew that at least I had that, that, that work. (laughs) Um, So for me, it's been great to have the two, the two disciplines. I think Um, I've, I've really, I think as a freelancer, I don't know how I, I think I'd have, I'd struggle if it was just one or the other. Um, I don't think I'd have had enough, um, work um usually it's sort of like one I do one and then the other and it just seems yeah it's, it's, just, it's sort of worked out for me but um but they they, they are different and they work in different ways so um yeah it's but I think that the, but the broadcast is much more geared towards freelancers I find um I don't know what um others have said but I, I just it's just um most people in production are freelance so it's just there's just an understanding there of you know it's just an easier process of negotiating rates and and things it's just it's just because it's set up but that's what they're used to doing um whereas with newspapers sometimes I find that there's there's not as they're not as familiar with dealing with freelancers so there's not a model there that you can follow you've sort of got to just kind of go with what you think you deserve of the story
0: Mm. (laughs) that's interesting I think maybe there's a difference between radio and television because I think radio certainly with the BBC there seems to be a very set process particularly for documentaries and you have to have a production company and you have to go through pitching rounds and I wonder if for, for broadcast that is different it's more of a rolling um commissioning process um not not really I mean
2: I think um I think uh it's still quite set I I suppose I just I think what I mean is is just that it's because most people are freelance in the industry that it's just easy. It's just, I just find the process of negotiating easier. But I mean, the, the series I did, it, it took like two years to get that commissioned. So it was, it really was a, you know, it, there's a lot of ad, as of admin and back and forth and that, that took a really long time. I think I was really lucky with the channel five thing in that they, they'd already been going for six months. And I know there was a long process to get, you know, to, set, to get that commissioned like there is with most uh, docs um so I came in halfway through um it's like a year year project I came through came in halfway through and um and so I think they were really really needed someone that could do sort of investigating but also sort of be on screen a little bit as well so it kind of just worked out they needed someone then I it worked out for me timing wise so the the process was quite quick but I've, I've actually that's actually quite unusual um I think um in terms of you know sometimes I think it, it you ha- with broadcast that's the only disadvantage is that it can just take time and sometimes you sort of like well okay well I'm free now or you know I'm free in three months but but how do, you know arranging that so it all ties in and everyone's schedules tie up is sometimes quite difficult <laughs> and you know it can uh can be a lot of, sort of give and take yeah yeah
1: absolutely I mean yeah like you say it's just a whole different kettle of fish isn't it for broadcast in terms of getting a documentary ready <laughs> ready to go even once it's commissioned, that kind of process of putting it together is just so much more lengthy. And um, are you able to tell us what you're working on at the moment or what you've got coming up next?
2: Um, I can't say I don't think I can probably say the subject, but I'm doing a couple of things for the Sunday Times at the moment um and uh, potentially something else for the Guardian but um, I'm sort of waiting on whether or not they want to go ahead with it. Well
0: we'll look out for those sounds sounds intriguing um fantastic well i think we'd like to round up but what we're asking all of our award winners um are three kind of key questions first of all um what's your favorite thing about freelancing what do you find most frustrating about freelancing and what is your top freelancing tip so can we start with what's your favorite thing about freelancing
2: um I think that my favourite thing is is the flexibility and being you know being able to work on your own stories and um yeah being able to work on on your own your own ideas um stories and being able to maybe fit that around um your life a little bit more in theory although I don't think it always works out like that for me I'd sometimes take on too much but um yeah I think um yeah I think the the flexibility and the being able to be a bit more creative and work on my own ideas that that's what appeals to me.
0: Yeah. And that's been a common answer, actually. I think that's been the common thread amongst all of these interviews is everybody's said that, you know, being able to to work on the stuff that they're passionate Mm. about rather than being assigned things that perhaps, Mm. you know, you're bored about writing for, you know, the 10th year in a row on the same subject. Um, But what about, kind of frustrations that you have as a freelance I mean I know you mentioned earlier about kind of negotiating rates and knowing your worth is that the most frustrating thing
2: I think it probably is to be honest I think it just it's I think what frustrates me is that it it, it's the time that it takes and you don't get paid for that time either you know the the time that you're negotiating um and the headspace you know it's um it's yes it is frustrating is the word I think it's 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 the um and it is the the you know trying to know your worth for a story and sometimes it's difficult to know what story is worth you might think something's amazing and actually maybe it's not or you know sometimes the stories that I actually thought I've not had a huge amount of confidence in have then been ones that have done well so um but I think it's the 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 hardest thing is of not taking it personally and um that's probably one of the tips that I maybe don't don't or advice that I don't follow myself all the time. but I think when you're um, you know, you're you're pitching and maybe it takes time to get the response or you don't get, you know, maybe it's you're not going to be paid as much as you think you or you, as you should be getting paid it's it's hard not to take that personally or as a sort of, you know, as a okay, well they I'm not being valued in the way that i sh- I feel like I should be valued. um but actually learning that I think sometimes I just have to put it in perspective and just think that, like, you know, the budgets are tight. Uh, Newtays aren't always used to working with freelancers. It's it's not because it's not, it's not good or you're not being valued. It is, it is usually just, you know, other, other factors. And um, it's sadly just an unfortunate part of being freelance that you, you do have to have that back and forth and that spend that time um, making sure that you're paid properly.
1: Yeah, so would that be your top bit of advice then? Trying not to take everything too personally. Yeah,
2: yeah I guess it would. And um yeah, I think um yeah, I think that sometimes I, I think I've one thing I have got a bit better at is is a sort of pitching process. It's it, i kind of I think that so many times there's been stories that I've felt really passionately about and then maybe it's taken a bit of time to get the interest. But then I think on most of those occasions they have gone on to be big stories and I think that gave me a bit more confidence um because in you know some cases there hasn't been the interest there initially and that can be a real sort of confidence knock um so I think yeah. So my advice would be you know if, if you feel that this is you know something's a good story it probably is and and keep going with it and maybe pitch to some different places and um persevere with it I think that's definitely helped with with some of my work anyway um
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there are so many factors to do with timing, what else is on the agenda, what budgets are like, what that personal preference of a particular editor is. There are so many other things that you can't control (laughs) around that.
2: Mm -hmm. Yeah, and sometimes process, it's a case so. of like just getting in front of someone as well. Sometimes you just no matter how well you explain it in an email, you just sometimes there's been a couple of occasions where I've just gone in and spoken to an editor and then they've loved it. And it's and it's and it's been just just getting in front of someone as well, if you can. And it's just not always easy to get that get that face to face, especially now. But um yeah, I think that that's helped me a couple yeah. of times. And um yeah, I think, I think the advice, though, that I find the hardest to, to follow is is setting my time. Um, yeah. I'd like to I think I'd like to be better at just saying, right, OK, well, this is this is the time that I'm going to allocate to this story. And then then that's it. I think I as a, having been a staff reporter, I was much better. I mean, I've always been a bit of a workaholic, but I've, I think I've always. It's, it was be- easier as a staff reporter to kind of have a start and an end to your day and just be like, right, I'm going home now. Whereas as a freelancer, that's really hard. And I think, so that'd be the one piece of advice I think I'd give to myself is uh, just try and just try and set those sort of parameters so you're not just sort of working all hours. I think that's it's much easier to do that as a freelancer.
1: Yeah, I mean, if anyone has the magic tip of how to, <laughs> I think I am getting better over time but i think it's it's still there it's really hard to plan for and juggle when you've got loads of different bits of work going on and editors come back with questions and it's yeah it's just it's yeah it's tricky so i think it's something we all probably grapple with quite a lot Okay, so it's time to bring this episode to a close thank you so much for coming to speak to us lucy and congratulations again on your well-deserved win thank you very much appreciate it
0: yeah it's been really interesting to hear about your investigation and, and all the different strands to it um if our listeners are enjoying the podcast and want to hear some more bonus episodes then you can subscribe to the premium version of our newsletter And you get, as well as a podcast, resource lists and pitching examples every month. Uh, To find out more, head over to Substack and search for Freelancing for Journalists. And if you want to make more connections, you can come and join our Freelancing for Journalists
1: Facebook community uh, of almost 7,000 members, if you're not in there already. Uh, We also have freelancingforjournalists.com, the new and improved version, up and running, so you can find all our resources on there.
0: Yes, and we're also over on Twitter at Freelancing4 and you can follow us individually. I'm at Lily Cantor. And I'm at Emma Journo. Thank you to our producer,
1: Maddy Drury, and a huge thank you to all our Freelance Journalism Award sponsors who made these awards possible, um, which were not only Journalism.co.uk, but also Women in Journalism, Lightbulb, 5WH, News Associates, The Media Mentor
0: and the NUJ. So that's it for this week, but we'll be back again soon. Bye. 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 Bye.